All right, welcome everybody to the Legacy Blueprint. I'm your host, Joe Evangelisti, and today I'm super excited to have my good friend, Tim Bratz, on the show today. Tim is a wealth of knowledge. I've known Tim now for, for quite a few years, actually. Yeah. Tim's a good friend of mine. Tim is in one of my mastermind groups. I've gotten to see Tim really, really blossom over the last few years. Tim has gone and um, cre- recreated himself, I think I, I think it's fair to say, and, and now has gone and started a uh, really an empire of commercial properties, has um, you know started a team, started a nationwide takeover of apartment complexes, and I'd like to welcome to the show my good friend Tim Bratz. Joe, appreciate it, brother. Excited to be here. Excited for uh, uh, the podcast and all the stuff that you have going on, man. I appreciate all the content and all the value you always provide, man. So I'm excited to, to be a part of it. Absolutely, man. So Tim, tell us what you got going on now. I know you're ever evolving, ever changing. Like what's the, what's the new, you know, big thing that's going on in your life today? Dude, uh, you know, I, I come from the residential realm. I was wholesaling. Well, first got a broker's license out in New York City and I did some commercial brokering got into wholesaling, flipping houses, got into the turnkey business. That's when, when you and I first met probably four or five years ago and uh, started a management company. And all during this time, I was either investing in apartments or passively kind of getting involved in some stuff. And about two years ago, I, I really looked at my portfolio. Where was I making my, building my wealth? Where was I spending my time? And 90% of my wealth came from my apartments and it was about 10% of my time. And mm. so um, like what's new going on with me is, is, I'm saying no to everything and only focusing on apartments. And so for the past couple of years, I've only been head down, not looking left, not looking right, just keep on uh, buying apartment buildings, uh, using the same model I use in the residential realm. And instead of selling properties, I just refinance and I hold them. And I just do it again, do it again, do it again. And so today I'm at a little over 3,200 units and a portfolio value of $251 million. It's freaking fantastic, man. It's almost like you've listened to the podcast before because one of the questions that I love to ask uh, are the, 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 the people we interview is, tell me one of the main things that you've learned to say no to, and you just jumped right to it, man. Like, what made you successful? I learned to say no to everything else except for this key thing. Dude, so, niche so, gets you rich. So impactful. You know? so impactful. You, right? you got to, dude. Every time I get into a different asset class and like I see some people, they come into real estate and they're like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm focused. I'm focused on real estate, but like real estate is not a focus. You have to fo- like dial in so much. I bought, um, dude, you, you, like two years ago, I bought this mountain not far from where mm-hmm. you are, upstate New York, right on the uh, Jersey border of New York. Pennsylvania, Jersey, like in that area. And dude, I, I thought I was going to flip this land, 270 acres on a mountain overlooking a state park, beautiful, scenic. I thought I was going to flip it in six months, make a million bucks, right? I remember the conversation. I don't know what I'm doing, right? I've never done this before. It's a new asset class. Like it was listed for 3.8 million and I bought it for $800,000. I thought it was a good deal, right? Just because it was listed for 3.8 doesn't mean it was worth 3.8, right? So uh, two years later, just this past uh, summer, we finally liquidated the last lot and we walked away with about $40,000, dude. It was total pain in the ass. The investors didn't make the kinds of returns and yields and turn around on their money that they wanted to, you know, reflected poorly on me. And every time I do something, that is not my, my core competency, dude, I lose time and I lose money. So I am like uh, super strict with my team, with myself of only sticking to what the hell we know and only doing that. And when the market shifts, maybe I'll potentially look at another asset class, but 
only went, now I'm not going to do that at the peak of a market when uh, there's not a lot of margin for error, you know? So maybe when the market shifts, I'll look at a second asset class, but I'm not going to go and shotgun fire at a, at a whole bunch of different commercial real estate. Our niche is apartment buildings that range from uh, usually about, uh, we usually do 80 units or bigger now. We have a couple smaller stuff, but uh, our stuff is typically in the 80 units, to 200 units. It's bigger than what the small investors can afford um, or can get into themselves. It's, it's, uh, a, it's really like where the hedge funds and some of the bigger uh, investors are buying, but we buy the stuff that's too distressed for what they want to buy. Like they just want something that's turnkey, that's totally stabilized already. We're willing to go and roll up our sleeves, get our hands dirty a little bit and put in the sweat equity to then drive that, like, force the appreciation, you know? Yeah. And that's our niche, dude. And that's, that's what we focus on. So, so that is like a niche within a niche, right? So I, so I love the focus there. So, so you found a niche, which is just apartments. That's a class, right? So that's a niche within itself. And then a niche within a niche. I want that value add piece that's too big for the small fish, too niche because it needs work for the big fish. So it's a niche within a niche. So again, I love the focus there. I think so many people right now, shiny objects is what's ruining their day. And, and part of that, Tim, and we talked about this before, is, is people get bored right? The second they get bored with something, they're like, well, let me add a layer. Let me add, let me add something else. Let me add, you know, Ooh, this looks good. It's, it's all self-sabotage, dude. Self-sabotage. All of it. All day and, long. And, and we all do it. And shit, dude, I still do it. You know, like I bought a couple of vacation houses last summer, uh, down outside of Disney world and they look nice and they're, they're beautiful for the front of the brochure. I had a post on social media today because it's a pain in the ass managing and operating these things. And we're barely breaking even on them. You know, I'm like, yeah. why, why did, why, why am I doing this to myself? It's because of me. It's not, a, yeah. and I remember, you know, sitting in, a, in an event with you and talking with our, our other good buddy, Mark Evans and saying, Hey, like the more boring and the more repetitive a business is, the more money you will make. All right. So, so when it comes to business, stay focused on that. And then you can take that money that you make from that business and then you can go and, and do exciting or stupid shit with it elsewhere, right? But don't experiment in your own primary business, man. Yeah. I also love too the uh, thing you said at the beginning too, which is it's almost like Pareto's law, the 80-20 rule. And this goes back to one of my favorite books, which is the four-hour work week, reverse engineering the most important high gain piece of what you do, what you do best, right? And what Tim said was, I looked at my net worth, I realized that 10% of my effort contributed to the majority of my net worth. My commercial investments was where most of my net worth came from. And I only spent 10% of my time there. So, hey, why not focus 100% of my time there and see what it does exponentially to my net worth? And just in two years, Tim, how much did that net worth multiply by? A lot, dude. I mean, <laughs> I, was at, I was at about 400, 400, maybe 450 units or something two years ago. And I have 3,200 yeah. today. It's yeah, crazy. Do the, math, like, do the math on that. Like the growth <laughs> is exponential. Like I, I laid a foundation, you know, and, and we say, Hey, you know, you, you gotta, it's like you're exercising. Right. And you're like, you don't see the results immediately. It's not until three months, four months, six months down the road where you're actually seeing results in your own body. And then other people are like, Joe, you've been working out. You look more trim. You look great, man. Awesome. You're like, dude, I've been working my ass off every day, an hour, two hours a day for the past six months. And you're just now seeing the results. And so there's some of that, like I shoveled shit for a long time, dude. Um, and, and I had a couple hundred units. And then once you really dial in the process and you understand what you're doing and how to do it, and how to put the teams in place, it's really easy to kind of uh, exponentially grow this thing and just duplicate it over and over and over again. Um, but, but to your point, when, when 
whenever I, I sit back and we could read about this in books and you can hear it's the Pareto rule and uh, focus on this and focus on that. Like to me, uh, you should sit back and reflect on all that stuff. To me, every time I sat back and I reflected on it, I already, I always read about it in a book or, you know, whatever that was. But every time I sat back and reflect, I had these quantum leaps in life or quantum leaps in business. And, um, and what motivated me or like really like forced me to sit back and reflect on my business and ask those difficult questions or, or ask myself those higher level questions was really joining like a mastermind, like, like your round table, the DM fam, and like some of these other mastermind groups that I'm, uh, that I participate in, like that forces you to go get out of your own way for a few days, once a quarter, sit back, think high level, work on the business. And, and now dude, I, I try to do that, you know, minimum once a month of just like asking myself these really good questions of, uh, you know, and writing the ship however I need to. And, and the, the more often you do that, the more often you reflect, um, man, you can just like stay on course much more of a, of a, of a direct path versus kind of varying off course and then having to uh, redirect, you know? Moments, so, of ref- moments of reflection, right? Like being able powerful. To, to dial powerful. that in. Yep. So, so I love that. And, and you talked about, you know, shoveling shit, working through, you're not going to be successful overnight. I heard something about you know, Gary V talk about this this morning about how, you know, and this, and this, you know, you can relate to this. I know we both have young kids. They scared, scared to death about how our kids are coming out of high school nowadays and what their future holds because of frankly, how they've been raised, you know, what they've been, what they've been dealt with right now, this whole entitlement factor and you know, what they think the world looks like when they graduate high school. What would you recommend to, a kid graduating high school today, knowing what you know now and the way you've developed your success path? That's a good question. Um, I, I mean, coming out of high school, coming out of college, I, I would say, one, you're f- like find your mentors or join. I, I like mastermind groups because I feel like I have 20 mentors instead of just one mentor, right? And I can gravitate, gravitate towards a couple of people that I really uh, you know, relate with that I feel comfortable talking about. And then I, I still get some other insights from everybody else. So I would figure out, uh, here's what I would, here's the number one thing that I would do. And then I would find a mastermind to help me put me on that path. But the number one thing that I would do is you remember when MapQuest came out or when, like, I don't know, five years, 10 years ago before we had GPS on all of our phones. Right. And we, we would go online, we'd MapQuest directions on how to get somewhere. And yeah. in order to figure out how to get someplace, you had to put in your destination, uh, and, and then where you were starting from. Right. And without those two points, it could not create a map in order to get there. And I see so many people who, who hit me up. They're like, dude, what should I do? Which I was like, well, dude, what's your freaking goal, right? I remember uh, my, my daughter's four years old. She's like big into all the Disney films and stuff right now. And, and one of the ones she's been watching religiously is uh, Alice in Wonderland. And in Alice in Wonderland, you know, she chases the bunny down the hole and goes into Wonderland and drinks the tea and shrinks and grows and all that stuff. And, uh, and while she's going through Wonderland, she comes, she's going down a path and she hits this fork in the road. And the fork in the road is uh, uh, all of a sudden the Cheshire cat appears and it's like, oh, well, hey, what's going on? She's like, well, I, I don't know. Like, like, which road should I go down? He's like, well, where do you want to go? And the Cheshire cat goes, uh, or, and, and then Alice goes, well, I'm not really quite sure. And the Cheshire cat goes, well, I guess it doesn't matter which road you go down then, right? <laughs> like, because you don't have a destination in place. How many people are going through life without a destination? And without that destination, you can't reverse engineer the path in order to get there. So one is figure out what you want to do or where you want to go or like what that looks like. And then, um, 
and then, and then be real about where you are currently in wherever you are in life and business and finances and all that kind of stuff. And then from there, you can, you know, plug into a group of people who are where you want to be and they'll help you kind of reverse engineer the path on, on how to get there. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's awesome. Man. I love the analogy too. You know, I was just doing a recording this week with our, our friend, Judge Graham and uh, Judge talked about, do not start a business without an end in mind. And you think about it, how many businesses are operating? How many people are listening to this right now? And if you are, pause this. Well, don't pause it. Listen to the rest. But at the end of this, go grab a notepad and figure it out, right? You got to figure out where you're at in order to know where you're heading. It's like, it's like that analogy and you're talking to the cat and the cat's like, where are you taking this business? I have no idea where I'm taking this business. Well, take either road because it doesn't matter right? You don't even know your destination. It doesn't matter where you're going because you're driving this, you're driving the ship and you have no idea where your destination is. Uh, I love that. I love that piece of it. And, and, and the fact is there's so many people out there that, that don't know where they're driving it. Kind of like, you know, you and I were at some point back when we, you know, we're jumping all over and doing 10 different types of business, right? And, 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 and dude, it's, it's, it's partial negligence, right? On our part, because we're the business owner, like, like we're being, negligent and, and not thinking about like, what's going to happen with our team? What's going to happen with our family? What's going to happen with all of our assets? Like what, that's our responsibility as a business owner. So we have to have a plan in place. You've got to have some sort of an exit strategy or some sort of a, uh, a plan to exit the business, have somebody else take it over. Um, I, I, I don't know if you ever heard of a guy named Vern Harnish, but he's got a book called the Rockefeller habits. Mm -hmm. And, uh, his company came in and consulted for a group that I was in. And, um, he's like, listen, man, every time I sit down with a business owner, he, go, he goes, I make them create a 20 year plan. It doesn't matter if they ever, they're an e-com business. They plan on selling in 18 months. I make them put a 20 year plan together. So that way they see the long-term vision, they set the bar and you know, they might be able to hit that plan in eight years or five years or 10 years or whatever, but you got to put a 20 year plan together here's the trajectory I want to be on. And, and you, it, it just forces you to think and ask better questions. And when you ask better questions, you start getting some better answers and you're thinking more strategically about how to build this thing the right way rather than just build it fast. Right. I love it. I love it. So Tim, you have an event that's uh, called the commercial empire. I've actually gone through it myself. It's amazing. Tons and tons of content. Um, you've actually teaching people how to go find these type of apartment buildings that you've found and, and rehabbed and added value to and gotten money back out of. And so you're, you're seasoned at this. You've bought, a, you've bought a lot of property in the last couple of years. What do you find is the worst advice that you hear people in your industry giving people? I mean, you've trained hundreds of people at this point and successfully they've, bought, they've gone out and bought it. So, so you're giving good advice, obviously, but what do you find is some bad stuff that you hear going out there in the market today? Uh, good question, man. Really good question. So I think there's a couple things. Um, one is everybody's like, everybody teaches, go out and build, uh, these, uh, uh broker relationships, no mm -hmm. offense to brokers, yeah. but you think about how brokers get paid. They want to get paid the full commission. And mm -hmm. what you need to understand in commercial real estate versus residential real estate, residential real estate has these, has this red tape and these, these regulations in place to protect the, unsophisticated property owner, you know, like a little old lady inherits a property from her husband, never had to deal with any of the personal finances of the household. And there needs to be things in place to make sure that some big bag real estate investor or, uh, or broker doesn't take advantage of that little old lady. At the same time, if you're buying property, commercial property, 
it's assumed you're buying it for investment. Like why else would you not buying to live there, right? In a warehouse or something, you're buying it for investment purposes. So it's assumed you're a sophisticated investor. You're a big boy, you're a big girl, you know, you need to watch your own back kind of a thing. So what happens is there's not as much red tape. There's not as much regulations. So when a broker gets a listing in residential, they have to put it on the market within 72 hours in most, most states. Uh, and when a broker gets a listing in commercial, there's no rules to that, right? So they can keep it in their back pocket and they can shop it around to the top 10 buyers in town. And you know what happens is uh, if one of those top 10 buyers is like, yeah, I like it, I'll buy it. It never even hits the market. Hmm. If, if a property does hit the market, you know what that means? The top 10 buyers in town wanted nothing to do with it. It means it's a shitty deal, right? So, so I think a lot of people are like, uh, I've seen a lot of other trainers and educators and stuff tell people to go and build broker relationships. And although some of my deals do come from broker relationships, it's because I'm one of the top buyers in certain marketplaces. Mm. So I get those deals before they hit the open market. Um, if I'm getting into a new market, they don't know who the hell I am. I'm not going to see those deals first. And so um, they're going to send you their scraps, right? They're going to see a bunch of stuff that everybody else said no to. And eventually, if those sit on the market for six months or 12 months, you might be able to buy those, those properties at the price point you need to buy it at. Um, but not, that's, that's probably number one is go and focus on off-market direct-to-seller opportunities, just like we do in the residential realm. There's mm -hmm. no need or reason to do that until you start building those broker relationships because you're one of the biggest buyers in town and you have a reputation for closing on properties, then, you know, it makes a little bit more sense. But when you're first getting started, I, I wouldn't focus on that. I would find direct uh, off market type of opportunities. Um, the other thing is I didn't realize that there were people who would sponsor loans, right? So I didn't know, I thought that I had to go and qualify for the loans myself because I come from the residential realm. Residential's 90% borrower based and 10% based on the asset. Mm. Commercial's completely flipped on its head. Commercial is 90% based on the asset, 10% based on the borrower. So, um, and even if, if the borrower, me, I'm not qualified to go and buy that building, there's people called, called loan sponsors who are out there who do this as their primary business that they sponsor loans. They have the net worth, the liquidity and the assets and the experience to come in and get the loan for you. So you don't have to do it solo. Uh, you can actually bring in a loan sponsor and get into bigger properties faster. Uh, another thing is private money. You know, like, like, it's a big no-no or whatever in, uh, in commercial or in some residential real estate to put on second mortgages and bring private money in, like what all that stuff looks like. It's assumed in commercial real estate that you're going to go out and raise private money for the down payment and operating capital. Mm. It's assumed. Like the banks are like, oh, okay, who, who's bringing the equity, right? That's the, that's the down payment money. Who's bringing that? Oh, it's, it's, it's not going to be you. Like you're probably raising it, right? Like it's assumed that you're going to go out and, and raise money for your deals and it's encouraged, right? So like I own $250 million of property. My cost basis in all of it's about 150 million. And on that, I've raised $30 million for my deals, right? 30 million bucks that we put down only 75 grand of that ever has come from me personally. The other $29,925,000 all came from private money and it's totally cool. Everybody's good with it, right? It's yeah. standard in this business. So dude, it's just like expanding your knowledge and understanding that this is the world that we live in. Um, what else? What else? Uh, so financing, finding deals, raising private money, Operations, dude, a lot of people think that, hey, I just got to find the deal. I got to close the deal and we're good off to the races. Dude, the work starts when you close the deal, right? Like that's the operational side. A lot of people 
just downplay that and the operations, what kicks them in the ass. Like yeah. I buy most of my properties from really smart, really successful, very wealthy entrepreneurs. Mm. And I buy all distressed properties. How are, how are they not able to run this thing? Mm -hmm. It's like opening a new business. It's like, Joe, just cause you and I go and you know, eat at a restaurant doesn't mean that you and I can open up a restaurant, right? And so people see apartment buildings, they're like, oh, I can just buy an apartment building. I'll put a management company in place, but they don't have any experience. They don't have the knowledge. They don't have a joint venture partner with the knowledge. They don't know how to screen management companies and ask the right questions and look at the numbers and statistics and the KPIs and all that stuff the right way. And they get their ass handed to them, dude, to the point where they have to take their eye off the ball in the primary business. And all of a sudden they're just juggling two failing businesses and they're like, F it, man, just let me give this apartment building away and let me go back to focusing on my primary business. I buy a lot of properties that way. So you got to pay attention and make sure you have the right operating partners, management company in place, a lot of that stuff that can, it, as much as you can build your net worth as quickly as you can do it with apartments and commercial real estate, dude, one bad deal can co completely wipe you out. There was a shit ton of people that just hit pause and rewind the last four and a half minutes. <laughs> that was gold. That was gold. Listen to me, guys. If you, if you have any interest in commercial apartment deals and you just listened to that four and a half minutes and didn't take notes, you're insane. You need to go back and listen to it again. And, and, and Tim, when is your next commercial empire event? Uh, I have one in November, early November, first week down in Tampa. So okay. yeah, I mean, hey, if anybody's interested, I mean, I, I'm here to provide value for you. Joe, because I love you. You're my brother. And uh, I want to provide as much value as possible right here. But if anybody does want to come out, go to commercialempire.com, fill out the form. My, my team will reach out to you, give you some details on the next event. Crazy, crazy good value. And I think, do you guys still do the, go to the first event, come back to the second event thing? I, don't, I hope yeah. I didn't blow yeah, you up. Yeah, yeah, you can, yeah. You, can bring, you can bring a guest out and you can plug into a, another event in the future. So th the idea is come out, get the information. It's a shitload of content, right? Like mm -hmm. we give a ton of information and it's almost like mind blowing when you leave. Um, but I, I make sure that here's the action plan to go out and find a deal. And then once we find the deal, we can cross the next bridge contact me, contact my team. We have our own fund. We invest in our students' deals. Um, if they want us to, if they don't want us to, and they can raise money on their own, great. That's cool too. Um, and there's, there's a lot of different ways that we, that we partner up and work with our, our students to help kind of hold their hand and make them feel comfortable as they get into some of these different projects. And then what happens, it's kind of like reading a book for a second time or watching a movie a second time, right? You, you get the information and uh, you get it a, 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 from a different angle after you've experienced a couple of different things. So once they go about out and buy a 20 unit building and they've been through that process, they can come back six months later and get the information again and just, oh man, it makes a lot more sense because of the life experiences that I had. Yeah. No, it's crazy. I mean, like you said, it's, it's, it's like drinking through a fire hose the first time. I mean, Tim stays on stage for two solid days and just hits you with information the whole two solid days. So then you leave and you're like, man, I don't think I took enough notes. I missed something. I'm going back through my binder. What the way, how do I underwrite a deal again? And then you get out there in the field, you start trying to figure out how to do deals. I know this from my COO asking me a million different questions. I'm like, dude, book the next event, go back. You know, yeah. so having the two events is, uh, is, uh, really, really, um, it's a great value first of all. And, uh, you know, you almost can't, if you want to do a commercial deal, it's almost impossible to not be able to after going through, um, the two to two rounds of the event. So, um, awesome, awesome impact from the event for sure. Um, Tim, what, what, what process or belief or something changed with you in the last three to five years? It wasn't just commercial, but what, what impact, what, what big thing happened to you in the last three to five years to make you 
just what, what snapped? What changed? That's, that's a good question, dude. You got a lot of good questions, Joe. I know. Uh, so, so when you and I met, I actually had another business partnership, right? I had, I had the, the guys out of New York, a uh, couple of brothers who put some money up. Um, this is not Walter and Brian, who you know, by the way, who, yeah. who are now partners of mine down in Georgia and stuff. Um, these are a couple of guys out of New York City, and um, they put some money up when I was like 27-ish, I think. And, uh, and we, we started buying some houses. We started flipping houses. We started taking on some you know, single-family rentals, small multi. Got my first apartment building in about 2012, 2013-ish. And then uh, uh, you and I met in beginning of 2015, I want to say. So sure. I, I had a business partnership with these guys, and uh, it was kind of like, like a like – a, I, I mean – they were supportive, but at the same time, kind of like trying to compress me, right? And like trying to uh, maintain control over me. Uh, I'll give you an example. Like the first time when we, when we kind of solidified our business partnership, uh, I went out to New York, went to their house. I'm sitting there. We're having dinner. And the one guy goes like, dude, Tim, I'm so pumped up about this, man. We're going to crush it. He goes, I just can't wait to be able to sit across the table from you again and see you as an equal. And I was like, what, what, what does that mean, dude? Like, I'm a, I'm a person, you're a person. Like, like, what does yeah. that mean? And I understand he meant like a financial equal, right? He's worth millions yeah. of dollars. I'm, yeah. I'm some punk 27 year old kid. Now we're not worth shit. Right. And yeah. so, um, I understood it, but it was like little things like that, that just yeah. like planted seeds in my head that said, I got to go pay my dues. I'm not worth it yet. Like I need to earn it more. Like, and, and it was like, I wouldn't say it was like emotionally abusive, but like little seeds like that told me I wasn't good enough, right? To go and build a massive business. And, uh, and dude, when, when I came out to a couple of masterminds and I got plugged into like people who were like, dude, you could fucking crush this business. You could do this. You could do that. It just like breathed some life into me. And, um, and, and there were a couple of things in the partnership that kind of fell apart and it got to the point where I had some success um, in like 2014, right before you and I met, it was my first year ever making six figures. And, uh, um, then I come out to that mastermind and, uh, our buddy Mark's like, Hey, you got to hire an assistant and join my mastermind. I was like, dude, that's half of all the money I made last year. You yeah. it, right. Yeah. He's like, no, just do it. And then that year I made $400,000. I was like, Oh my God, I've never made this much money in my entire life. Right. And, um, and that gives you belief. And it came to the, to the point where I was like, fucking hey, dude, I am worth it, right? Like I'm waiting for somebody else to anoint me as worthy where the only person who can anoint you as worthy is you, right? Like, like I'm tired of paying my dues. I've paid enough dues. It's time for me to succeed. And, and I just kind of drew a line in the sand uh, in my own head that, that said, dude, it's, it's time to take this to the next level. It's time to win, right? It's time to win for Tim. It's time to win for Tim's family. And there is value that I can give. There is value that I can convey to others. There is impact that I can make in this world. And, um, and I think it was hard for me to see until there were other people that breathed it into me and until I had a little bit of success. And that little bit of success planted enough of a seed where I really started believing in myself. And that was, um, but, but dude, it, it all comes back to like you, right? It's not going to come from, from some external source. It's going to come mm -hmm. from internal of you just kind of believing in yourself. But um, having a little bit of success definitely helped and being around people who believed in me definitely uh, helped me out with, with hitting that next stride too. The tipping point, man. I love yeah, it. Man. And we hear that very, very similar stories a lot, which is awesome. It's funny, actually, you and I have had hours and hours and hours of conversation and I never knew that we had a similar partnership story than that. My first partner actually 
who I just dissolved that partnership with like three or four weeks ago, oh, really? treated me that same exact way. And I, have, I didn't talk to him for seven years. We owned a bunch of properties together and he just bought us out like like six or five or six weeks ago, whatever it was. So it's funny. I never, I never knew that story. So that's pretty, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, like, like, dude, it, it got me to the point where I am, right? If I didn't go through that, I wouldn't be who I am today. Um, totally. But there's mentors in your life who are like, I want to be like that guy, right? Mm -hmm. I want to be like that person, make a difference like that. And there's other people who are equally mentors because you're like, I don't, I don't want to be like that person, right? I don't want to be that way. I don't want my, my business partners feeling the way that I feel. And so yeah. I'm almost like, dude, I'm like, oh, like I don't partner up. I don't get married on, on anything that I do anymore. I own hundred percent of my businesses. Um, but I love joint ventures on a deal by deal basis. I think that's an amazing way to build up a massive portfolio, focus on your strengths and your unique ability, letting other people compliment, you know, where you're a little bit weaker and you can, you can fill up where they, where they're a little bit weaker. Right. And so fill the gaps. And so, um, I love joint ventures, but man, it like I've learned from good mentors and bad mentors and I I've overcompensated, um, because of the bad relationships I've been in that where I felt like I was treated unfairly, where I'm like, dude, I want to make sure on the front end, everybody feels super fair, right? It's everybody feels like there's the value they're bringing. Here's what it's worth. Everybody agrees. And I'm, I'm like overly fair about it now. And, um, you know, sometimes I, th I think maybe I do give up too much equity, but at the end of the day, dude, I don't really give a shit. I got the lifestyle of uh, that people only dream about. Right. And I don't really have to do anything other than I do a lot of marketing and live events and podcasts and my own show and uh, social media stuff and content. And that drives deal flow and it drives money flow for my real estate. And at the end of the day, dude, deals and money is all that matters to make money in real estate, right? If you have access to deals, you have access to capital. It doesn't matter what's going on in the real estate market. doesn't matter what's going on with the economy. doesn't matter who the president is. Like you will be able to go out and do deals and make money in real estate if you have access to deals and access to money. That right there is another good quote, guys. Pay attention to what he just said. Stop paying attention to the media. You control your own luck. Love mm -hmm. that. Love that. All right, a couple silly questions for you, Tim. What purchase of $100 or less has positively impacted your life recently? Something silly. Maybe you bought yourself. Maybe Kate got for you. I don't know. Um, I, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is, is books, right? And, and something that's that's as, uh, uh, as simple as 10, 15, 20 bucks as like laid a foundation. And, and I, I've given you uh, the book, 12 Pillars. That's mm -hmm. a simple hundred page read. It's by uh, Jim Rohn, who's like the forefather of business philosophy and personal development and where Tony Robbins got his start and all that stuff. So um, 12 Pillars by Jim Rohn, man, if, if it just teaches you how to live a great life and how to design a great life, right? And how to how to pay it forward uh, to others as well. And so um, if there's one book, I, I mean, I, I've owned that for a decade now and I read it twice a year still. Um, but if there's one book, that's, that's a book that I would read and that's less than a hundred bucks. I can't think of something in the past. Uh, oh, I got one. I bought a, I bought a scooter. I bought a, uh, um, just like one of these like fold up razor scooters. And my daughter's got a scooter. My son's got a scooter. I was like, why don't I have a scooter? Right. I'm worth it. Right. I'm going to anoint myself that I'm worthy of a scooter. So I buy myself a scooter for 80 bucks and now we scoot around our neighborhood all the time. And it's, it's a fun like activity that we do with the family. So that, that yeah. would be in the past 30 days. That's amazing. I love it. I love it. Awesome. <laughs> that, that is something you will not be asked on a podcast. I guarantee it. All right. So besides be your best, that can't be your answer. 
if you could put a message up on a billboard, 20, 20 million people see this message tomorrow, what's your message to people today? So it would be be your best. It doesn't have to, you don't have to be the best, but, but you always have to be your best, right? Um, if it wasn't that, it would be something similar. It'd be be more, do more, have more, give more. Love it. Love it, man. Love it, man. Anything we didn't cover today, Tim? Awesome interview, man. You guys uh, so much no, no. I mean, I mean, Hey, if, if there's like, dude, if you guys want to connect, hit me up on social media. I'm always putting content out there on, on apartment buildings, wealth building, you know, generating lifestyle, that kind of stuff. And, um, like if anybody's got questions on buying apartments or looking at deals or something like that, just hit me on Facebook. I answer all my messenger stuff. Like it's not like an assistant or some, uh, uh robot somewhere. It's, it's actually me. It just takes me, I only answer them like once or twice a week though. So give me a little bit of time on that. And, um, no man, any way that I can provide value, please let me know. And I appreciate it, man. You asked, you asked some awesome questions, real honor to be here and I uh, love what you're doing, Joe. Yeah, man. Listen guys, when you pay attention to Tim, I'm telling you when I mean it, he's a good friend, humble dude, family man, awesome investor, incredible guy to be around. Make sure you message him. If you have any interest at all in commercial deals, make sure you check out commercialempire.com. Thank you, Tim, for being a part of the Legacy Blueprint podcast. I appreciate you being on there. Appreciate it, brother.